What's going on, everybody? Once again, hardest part of the ring is here for a little AEW review. Poop doggy. What, what a show we saw this past Saturday at All Out. Uh, if nothing else, there is a lot to get into. Um, I see a lot of people talking about this show. Toxic as ever, obviously. You know Twitter. You know Twitter. But, man, I'm seeing a lot of people pin this pay-per-view as, like, the worst pay-per-view they've ever seen. And, honestly, man, I don't agree with that at all. I think there was a lot of good wrestling on this show. But there was just a few key missteps. Um, We'll get into it as the podcast continues. But I think, you know, the order of the matches... Um, some decisions that were made as far as gimmicks go, um, just the general structure and production of the show made it not flow very well. I mean, when you got to the matches, the matches were at least for the most part solid. Some of them were even great. Um, it just something was off, you know, and um, I think that can be attributed to how it flowed. And, you know, we can we can pin it on. No fans in the audience or limited fans, but past dynamites, you know, performance center shows for WWE, you can create a good energy in the in the wherever you're wrestling, right? Especially this, we, we've seen this exact same venue with the exact same amount of fans on Dynamite the past couple of weeks, and the energy's been pretty high. Um, but for this show, at a certain point, it kind of just took a nosedive as far as crowd energy goes, and I think that can be linked to a lot of things, but we will get into that in the podcast. This week, we have, once again, Burying the Smarks back because, uh, you know, typically I don't have, I don't like to have guests back, you know, back to back like this, but this is just too perfect. I mean, I think a lot of people listening to this now know who Burying the Smarks is. Uh, If not, you could find all his information in the description of this podcast you can find him on instagram at burying smarks underscore and you can listen to his podcast burying the smarks which can be found on spotify um and i believe that is in the link of his instagram as well so go check that out a uh, really cool dude notoriously very <laughs> anti-aw type of guy um but he's he's pretty logical in everything he says um and I think that translates into this podcast as well. So interesting to get his take on things, both on the pay-per-view itself and just AEW as a whole. And we get into a lot of it. So without further ado, we have the AEW All Out Review with myself and Burying Smarks. Yeah, so um, so you said you saw some highlights, right? Yes, um, I didn't order it and I couldn't find a link. But, you know, YouTube had a, quite a few highlights on there, so it kind of worked out. Right, right. You will. I'm gonna be honest, man. You didn't miss too much, um, because like, I don't know, man. I've I've been reading online a lot of people talking about this show, and I'm seeing a lot of people say it's like one of the worst pay per views they've ever seen. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think there was um, there are a few key missteps that I think um, like like for one, it was it felt like it lasted forever. It was like four hours long, which is like. I think by far their longest show that they've had as far as I know. But um, 
Yeah, it was just really, I don't know, man, the, the production, the way matches were laid out, like the order of matches was weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it, I guess. But like, cool. um, I thought it was really bizarre that they started off with the, the tooth and nail match. Like that was the opening match that uh, I don't know if you saw any of that, that, that cinematic match with uh, Britt Baker and Big Swole. Yeah, yeah. Did you catch? Uh, I mean, it wasn't that long. Were you able to find the whole match? No, um, I did see the highlight where uh, Big Soul came in and hit a what some like I, it was a clipboard, something like yeah, yeah, yeah I think that, so. That was a, the most horrible. <laughs> that was like the most horrible. <laughs> she it, was her. it was like hitting her with a pillow. I'm like, oh god, this is horrible. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It didn't really. I I, don't, I couldn't tell if it was supposed to be comedy or serious, which is a. Uh, kind of a thing widespread through AEW. But yeah, like I said, it was just weird that they put, because originally it was supposed to be on the pre-show, which caught a lot of heat, which, I mean, let's talk about that for a second as far as like pre-shows go. I don't know if you kept up with any of this controversy, quote unquote, but initially this tooth and nail match was supposed to be on the, or whatever, the buy-in, whatever they call it. And they got a lot of heat for it because they already catch a lot of shit for, you know, not giving a lot of spotlight to the women. And this is kind of just uh, an extension of that. But to me, like a pre-show or a buy-in like that, it's, I feel like the idea is to put something out for people to watch that will lead them to buy the pay-per-view. So to me, it's not like a bad thing to be on a pre-show. I think it's more of a, I don't, I don't want to say an honor, but I think it's, it's kind of a good thing because it, that, that says that the company has faith in you guys to, to draw viewers in. I don't know where you stand on that, though. No, uh, definitely, man. Uh, I think they could have... I, mean, I, I totally agree. I remember watching old the Attitude Era and, like, before that, and it was just... You have matches. was a free-for-all, and the matches that they had were matches like, oh, shoot, I got to I gotta order this pay-per-view. Exactly, yeah. And then it gave you, you know, like, okay, all right, I, not definitely, I got to order it out. And, and um, they also played, like, previews of the matches, and they kept the, the, the storylines going for the main event. So it... I think AEW has a lot of work to do in that, yeah, in that perspective of actually getting new viewers. I think they're content with the same people that watch their shows. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And if you, you could just look at the numbers, man. I mean, since they started, I mean, they obviously had a big rating their first show, but that's always going to be skewed. But then ever since then, they've kind of leveled out, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it's good that they've maintained their viewers, but. Yeah, they definitely, you know, I see people saying that AEW is mainstream and, and no it's, way. Just, it's, it's, it's just not. I mean, there is a, a, a strong audience for it, but it's, it's an audience that's maintaining, not necessarily growing. And they're kind of, I don't know, it's just um, they cater to the Internet fans. Yep. They, they cater to the Wrestling Observer subscribers. Yep. Yeah, they 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 know their 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 audience, and they cater just to that audience. I don't think they're really looking to grow their audience or grow their fan base. Um, it's weird because as a company, as a, I mean, I don't, I don't. First of all, I don't consider them mainstream, but in respect to them, as far as the other wrestling companies besides WWE, they're they are kind of mainstream because then people consider them mainstream because they're on TNT. It would have been any other channel, any other network. I don't think people would have considered them mainstream. And I guess they get plugs during like the NBA games and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think that's why people consider them mainstream. I mean, 
I don't know too many people that watch TNT. I don't. And I'm not just trying to say that to be funny. I don't yeah. watch TNT unless it's like they're running like a, you know, like a replay of like Titanic or the replay <laughs> of like Clash of the Clash of the Titans. That's that, that might be the only time I'll tune into TNT if there's nothing else to watch. If you gave me a thousand guesses on what you watched on TNT, I don't think Titanic would have been any of those guesses. Yeah, listen, man, Titanic is one of, like one of my favorite movies, and like we watch it at least once a week here. I respect that. It's, yeah, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. It's a good movie, and then it's full of quotables. Like that's the thing people understand. That movie is full of quotables, and the more you watch it, the more quotes you're like, "Oh shit, that was that was funny." So <laughs> it, it's definitely a good movie. Um, but you know. Yeah. I actually haven't seen it, but I've seen enough memes to where I feel like I've seen it. Yes, yeah, it's, really it's a good movie. I mean, when it well, we're going off topic, but when it came out in '97, <laughs> I wasn't really watching it. I just thought it was like a, a, another ploy at another romantic movie, and um, I kind of avoided the movie until like maybe when I met my girlfriend wife then, and she was really big on it. And then I sat down, I watched it with her. I'm like, God damn it, where the hell has that? Where have I been with this movie? So it's like I'm hooked on it now. But the last ten years, it's been like Titanic every fucking every fucking week, man. <laughs> man, I might have to check it out then. I mean, yeah. we could just do this podcast on Titanic instead. Yeah, that's a future podcast. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, quick question on the, um, I guess the the buyout. That's what it's called. The preview. Buy in. Buy in. All right. So, how many matches did they have? I so I'm gonna be honest. I did not watch the buy in. Um, I don't even know if there were were any matches. Um, I, did, I didn't notice anything get bumped like off the main card. Maybe they added some bullshit match. Who knows? I, I don't know. I wasn't really tempted to watch. But here's the thing. If the tooth and nail match was on the buy-in, I probably would have watched it. And that's kind of my point. Like, yeah, I don't know, man. But yeah, I, I didn't see the buy-in. I didn't really, I, I'm not sure if there's any matches. I see I see the results. Like Joey Janela um, and some other guy and Private Party and Dark Order. Was that – I'm trying to think. Did they move – like, did they put those matches on the buyout and move the, the um, two-for-nail match? It's just – it's confusing. I, th- I think they just created a match out of thin air when they bumped that. God, that might have been why the pay-per-view felt so long. Yeah. Because that two-for-nail match was just added on top of what was already on the main card. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, but, yeah, that match itself, it was – I don't know, man. I wasn't feeling it too much. I know, I know what they were going for. Um, I feel like uh, just a normal match would have served them better. Yep. But uh, I don't know. I guess they're they're milking the uh, the dentist gimmick a lot. To where I hope they just stop it. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Like start to ease out of it. Like we get it. Like <laughs> they, they've done. They did the so the, the the finish of the match. I guess we'll touch on that. Uh, swole. Fuck, what did she do? She, like, Novocaine'd Britt Baker's leg. So she, like, stabbed her with a, a syringe of some sort. So her, her right leg was numb. And then she elbowed her and made Britt Baker fall into the dentist chair. And then she, in the swole, put, like, uh, a gas mask. I don't know what you call it. Laughing gas or whatever it's called. Onto Britt Baker. And she basically passed out from that. So, Thoughts? Um, if you can see me, if you can see me right now. I'm like face palming so hard. Uh, <laughs> damn, man! Like that's that's that's. I just went to the dentist last week, and it's not as easy as Big Swole made it out to be. Where you just hit somebody with a syringe and knock them out. Right. Um, I mean, like AW was. 
I mean, it kind of came off as a real sports feel, and this is not really a sports feel. This is more like sports entertainment. And yeah. um, it sounds good the way you described it, but I don't know if it's the same way if I watch if I watch it. So, yeah, I mean, it, I wasn't really. You this was a, no. This is no boneyard match. Yeah, you did a better job describing it than actually me watching the match. You made it sound fun in like twenty seconds. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was like the last bit of it. The first. I don't know how long the match was probably like ten minutes, but uh, I was kind of tuning out of it. It's probably not a good sign, but it is what it is. Um, I do like Britt Baker and I do like Big Swole, um, but I feel like they have a better role there than a cinematic match like this. Yeah, I like Britt. She she she's funny in like a goofy way. Yeah, um, Swole. I mean, it's I don't know. Swole reminds me of uh, Jazz. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if, that's, if she's going for that, but she can be booked like Jazz when she's dominant and she's strong. Um, right. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I'm not a big big fan of Big Soul. She. I, ha- I have a really tough time liking her. Yeah, it's really hard to like her. It's like something's off. Her Twitter <laughs> is one of the worst Twitters out there. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Uh, I came across it once, and I think I posted about it, and I got chewed up for it. So I never went back. That's what it. happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. But she's she's solid in the ring, I guess. I mean, I haven't seen too much of her, but um, yeah, like I said, I feel like both these guys could be in a a better role down the road, and because the, the women's division doesn't have a lot of a uh, lot of credible talent, and I feel like these are the two of the top ones. So yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure at least one of them will move on to the title picture after this. Yeah, that's like putting Sasha Banks and Bailey's match pre show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but then after that, we get to the main card. Young Bucks versus Jurassic Express. So I feel like I feel like personally, the Young Bucks get more heat than they deserve. Mm-hmm. I feel like, I mean, I know, I understand early in their career, we're talking like TNA or early Japan. They were just, you know, the flippy guys, the the spot monkeys, the, the wannabe Hardy boys. Mm-hmm. I feel like in recent years, I feel like they've they've seen that criticism and they've kind of altered their game to reflect that. And I feel like, at least recently, especially now, because it seems like they're kind of starting to uh, have heelish tendencies a little bit. I feel like that's really where they thrive because they are good storytellers in the ring when they have the opportunity. And I mean, their match with uh, Omega and Paige from uh, Revolution couple pay-per-views ago was amazing and i think even this match here with jurassic express is pretty good i feel like it's kind of getting slept on um just because there's so much other shit on this show but i thought it was a really solid opener i I think this is what should have opened the match because it would have got the crowd hot because you have that fucking um cinematic shit so all all these fans or whatever the 10 percent capacity all the people in the in the arena there they're all hyped to see wrestling. They're all hyped to see some live action. And then the show starts and then they're just looking at the screen. Yeah. And I feel like at that point, it kind of set the tone in a bad way. And I feel like if you would have thrown this match out there first, it would have kind of made the show flow better. Yep. I don't know, man. But that's itself, like I said, was pretty good. Um, I always love seeing Marco stunt get his shit kicked in. Um, and then the Bucks end up winning with a double... V trigger, little knees to the head there. They're definitely, like I said, they're less flippy in this match and more kind of aggressive, which I like. Um, 
and Jurassic Express, I think, held their own here. Um, what'd you see of this match? What'd you think? Um, I mean, I'm not a fan of the Young Bucks style. I mean, um, it looks like the, it looks like they were toning it down. They're getting older up there, and they um, are obviously setting up a program with the revival. So, um, yeah. I guess they're trying to show viewers that you know, like they don't need all the flippy shit, especially with a team like the Revival, with which they're the opposite. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was like I can't. I'm, man, I saw like maybe twenty super kicks. <laughs> the first, <laughs> pretty normal. The first three minutes. Um, I like Luchasaurus. I think he is. He. I think he's great. And that's yeah. a little hard for me to say because you know, I really don't watch AEW. Like I've never seen a full episode. I I usually watch highlights. But uh, gotcha. I think the match was it was good. Like you said, it, it should have been the opening match. Get the fight. You know, like you've been sitting home watching wrestling on your screen for the last eight months, six months, seven months, whatever it is, and you finally exactly. get to watch a live pay per view. And the first thing you do is look at the screen. So I think yeah. the match placement, that match, which was pretty good, should have been like the opening match. And um, I mean, Luchasaurus is obviously a, a babyface team, and the yeah. Young Bucks normally get cheered. So I don't, I don't. It's kind of confusing as to where they're going with this. And right. if Luchasaurus would have won, and then the Bucks would have turned, like started having heel tactics, then I probably wouldn't have been as confused. If that makes yeah, sense. yeah, I think they were kind of they're kind of like transitioning into being heels. I think so. They weren't. I mean, they did a few kind of dickish things. Like I said, like when uh, I think it was Matt Jackson super kicked Marco Stunt for no reason, or um, just kind of their demeanor, even even just like coming out to the ring. I don't even think they did their little pose or whatever. Um, so I think it's a slow burn, which I appreciate. Um, I always appreciate you know subtleties and wrestling as far as storyline goes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and all you know, the intertwining with the uh, the page and uh, Omega stuff. I think that's a diamond in the rough as far as AEW goes right now. That old storyline. Yeah. But I agree. I, I like Jurassic Express. Um, have you ever watched Big Brother by any chance? Big, uh, nope, I haven't. So that Luchasaurus was on that show. It's like a reality show, if you're not aware. Um, it's kind of like Survivor, but in a house. Okay, okay yeah, yeah. I've heard about the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and <laughs> he was a fucking dick on his season. So I have a hard time liking him for that reason. But uh, I, I appreciate his presentation. I think it's hilarious, and he's seems like a pretty athletic dude. So I'm with you. I'm a big Luchasaurus guy. I think. Yeah, and it's a change for AEW because everyone is usually like a Hindu guy, and then you got this guy who's very marketable. He wears a mask. Yeah, you know, and um, I don't know why this guy is not even actually higher up on the main card because he is very marketable. Right. I think he's like one of the most marketable wrestlers they got on that roster. So mm-hmm. he definitely should be up there. You know. And he definitely should be up there. It's like, it's like he's a new day version of AEW. Like, there's so many things you can do with that character, as far as marketing and branding and just a bunch of other stuff. And For sure, I mean, yeah. that can wrestle. So I don't know why he's, you know, but whatever. What do I know? <laughs> I will say this: he he does kind of seem green at times. Um, I feel like sometimes he's very soft with his offense. So maybe they're kind of waiting for him to kind of. Smoothing the edges a little bit. I, th- I think he did get injured like last year or something. And this is around the time where Jungle Boy got a title shot. So maybe he would have been slotted in 
mm. had he not been injured. So who knows? But yeah, I, I, I agree. I think at some point he's going to be at the top there. Yeah, he needs to be. Uh, so after that, we have the Casino Battle Royal. Um, so the concept of this match is basically a, an accelerated Royal Rumble. So there's 21 entrants, um, and they come out in sets of five. Or So it's the four suits, and then five, person, five people per suit, and then there's a Joker card. So it's kind of a convoluted concept, but I can... I, I guess I can kind of respect them trying to be a little bit different, but it is kind of... That you could tell they they started with the Royal Rumble and they were like, how can we make this a little bit different? Yeah. Um, but yeah, the match was was what it was. I mean, it wasn't too um, too many highlights other than the fucking Matt Seidel. So like I like I said, so you have the, the four suits. So those are just you know the normal people coming out, and then you have the Joker card. Now the Joker card is supposed to be like a surprise. It's supposed to be a big deal. It's supposed to be a debut return, whatever it is. So Matt Seidel gets the Joker. So he's the last entrant. He has all this fanfare, all this spectacle behind him. Everybody's hype. Oh, my God. It's Matt Seidel. He's back. He gets up to the top rope and then just fucking banana peels off the top rope. I'm I'm glad he didn't break his neck. But, man, what a terrible, (laughs) what a terrible debut. I'm sure he'll recover. But that dude's just going to live in the meme universe forever because of that. Yeah, definitely. And um, um, yeah. uh, who won that match? Was it Lance? Lance Lance Archer, yep. This is the same guy that lost to Cody Rhodes? We, we don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> the Dream has no memory of that. This is the same guy. All right. I don't know yeah. why. They should have had him come. Uh, you know what? All right. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that is, I think that's only loss. So, you know, I, I don't think, you know, if you lose, you're buried or you're ruined. No. And, yeah, you know, Lance has had a bunch of wins since then. I mean, that was a couple months ago, right? When he lost to Cody. So I can, I can buy into to Lance Archer winning. Um, the last two was him and Eddie Kingston. And I got to admit, I was really rooting for Eddie Kingston, but I guess that's the idea. Um, but yeah, Lance Archer wins. And I guess he'll have a match with Moxley at some point, um, which should be all right. They had a match in New Japan, actually, at a Wrestle Kingdom, which is pretty good. So. Got a little bit of chemistry there, so should be all right. Uh, what do you think about this whole deal? Uh, I guess. I mean, he's like one of the biggest guys on the roster, right? Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, they have to put the – he had to have one. Um, I'm just confused. Like, who picks when he has a match for the title? Is it him? Is it like a – does he like, hey, listen, like I want my match at this show? Or is it something like – is right. it a show – is that like a title shot down the line? Like, I think yeah, they were very vague about it. They were like, the winner gets a title shot somewhere down the road. And that was pretty much so the like, of it. It's, so like guess, money, it's like a Money in the Bank, Royal Rumble. Um, kind of sort of. Yeah. yeah, honestly, I think it'll just be like on a random dynamite in a few weeks. That's my impression. Okay. Um, I don't know when their next, pay- next pay-per-view is. I know there's an ad for it. Um, I think I it was November. The was. November, that sounds about right. Yeah, I think it's a full throttle. Full gear. Full gear. See? Look at that. Oh, <laughs> You're close. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if they'll milk Archer and uh, Moxley that long. Unless they continue with Moxley and MJF for a little bit, which, I mean, we'll get to that, but it seems like that's going to continue to some extent. So I hope not, man. <laughs> not a big fan? Uh, um, MJF? Nah, not really. I'll, um, 
we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, definitely, but, definitely. Um, but yeah, like, Battle Royale was what it was. Archer gets the win. Kind of predictable, but uh, oh, I will say also another spot in that Battle Royale that was crazy to me. So uh, I think it was so Darby Allen got eliminated, and then Brian Cage, who I think was eliminated at that point too, or he might not have been, whatever it is. So Brian Cage pulls out a body bag, and oh, then shit, yeah, <laughs> he unzips it, his empty body bag. He pours a bag of tacks in it, then he throws Darby Allen in it and zips it up. So Darby's in there with a bunch of fucking tacks. Which, by the way, there was still tacks all over the ring for the rest of the match. So I was like cringing every time somebody took a bump at like on that side of the ring. But fucking Brian Cage takes Darby Allen, who's in the body bag, can't see has tax probably in his eyes and his mouth and just throws him on the stage over the rope. That was the most careless looking spot I've ever seen in my life. I think. Did you catch that? Yeah, it, it was dumb as fuck. <laughs> that Darby Allen is not going to be wrestling in his thirties. I don't think. No, they, they got to stop giving so much creative freedom to these guys. Cause the type of shit they come up with is just like, what the fuck were you thinking? Like, you know, it's just, Somebody got to take a charge and be like, no, we're not doing that spot. You know, it's just, yeah, it's just, uh, doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And uh, ultimately it didn't really even matter. Didn't really factor in anything. So it was kind of a, a, a spot for a spot's sake. They could have had that same spot without the body bag and without the thumbtacks. And it would have yeah. gave you the same result, you know? So it's just. Or do this, put the tax on the stage so that it's not in the ring while everybody else is wrestling. And then power bomb them, not in a body bag, onto the tax. There you go, boom. Still, still a shit spot to take, I'm sure, but I don't know. Just more controlled and more thoughtful, I guess. I don't know, but it was what it was. But the, <laughs> speaking of careless, <laughs> here we go. Moment of sh- we all been waiting for. This is the match I think killed the crowd. Honestly, broken rules. Oof. Um, broken neck rules. That's what broken call. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess it's supposed to be a last man standing match, um, but I guess I don't know. I assume WWE, WWE has that trademark or something. Um, so they start out with you know Sammy uh, Guevara driving up in a golf cart, trying to recreate that meme when he got ran over. Um, then they tussle a little bit, and then they decide to ascend on a scissor lift. Which, uh, shit, I don't know. At least 20 feet in the air, maybe. I, I, I couldn't really tell, but they're fighting up there for whatever reason. They got tables set up at the bottom. Sammy Guevara spears Matt Hardy off of it, and they completely miss the first table, or at least for the most part they do. And then their feet go through the second one, and Matt Hardy's skull hits the concrete. And, <laughs> shit, dude. I couldn't tell. Cause it was hard to tell whether or not he really hit his head or not, at least as far as I was, as far as my vision goes. And then they were like doing the old, the whole X gimmick, which, you know, nowadays they don't really just have that for real injuries. Cause I feel like fans know about that. So mm-hmm. sometimes they kind of throw that out there to kind of try to swerve the fans a little bit. So I still was like, is this work? Is this not a work? Um, but yeah, Hardy was out for like a, a full minute, like not moving. And then he gets up and they start fighting again. And then Matt Hardy just can't stay on his feet. So they, at that point, Aubrey Ed- Edwards waves it off. Um, I don't know if it was Tony Khan in her ear or wh- whoever it was, but they wave off the match, ring the bell. It's over. 
then they awkwardly kind of just keep looking at it for a little bit and awkwardly throw back to the commentators. And then I guess in that three to four minutes, they did a very in-depth concussion <laughs> assessment, which is, I'm, I'm impressed to, to get a guy at MRIs and, and CAT scans and that in like three or four minutes, they, they, they must have a really efficient ship over there. Yeah. Oof. Man, I'm, that, that's awesome. That's really good to hear. Um, but then they, I'm assuming, and of course, because why wouldn't they continue the match? They just started over. Even though they've already ran, they've, they've ring the bell. It's done. It's over. It's fine. You can just do this on Dynamite some other week if you want. But no, no, no. We got to do it now. Um, then they pretty much just rushed to the, uh, the finish where uh, they climbed some scaffold, which, <laughs> I mean, what if Matt yeah. fell from that, right? And yeah, well, it was what it was. They climbed the scaffolding. Uh, Sammy falls off onto a very clear crash pad. Yeah, um, like styrofoam. <laughs> it was like the most watered down Shane McMahon spot I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I guess I don't fault them for that, but like, it was you know, it wasn't nearly as tragic as what Matt Hardy went through. So it's like, okay, this is gonna be the end of the match now. But uh, Matt Hardy wins, I guess. Uh, but the story of the match, Matt Hardy, it's not as far as I'm aware. As we're recording this, I'm not totally clear if he got concussed or not. Tony Khan said that he didn't, but Rebby said that he did. So who the fuck knows? Um, I believe the guy's wife before. I believe the boss was trying to yeah. keep you know keep things you know publicly on a good note. But I believe I believe the wife. She's the one who was there. Um, probably the one who rushed for him to the hospital. Um, Tony probably didn't go because this was the. Uh, fifth or sixth match on the card. So he had to stay. So I believe his wife. Um, and then yeah. it's just, the sad part was that the social media backlash was more popular than the spot itself. Right. It was like people were defending Tony and saying that, Oh, you know, don't question him. He knows what he's doing. He's the boss. Why would he lie to us? Mm-hmm. So I, I like, I'm not a big fan of Red Bye or Rebby, but I going to have to side on her with, I'm gonna have to side with her on this one. That's that's his wife. So she yeah. knows more than anybody would. She knows more than I would. She would know what his doctor said. And I think Tony's just trying to save face because you know you really fucked up. I mean, you know you fucked up when you disable the comments on right. Yeah. So it's like you know you, you you know you messed up big time. I mean, it's crazy. And then I think they said Matt was the one who cleared himself. How how do you clear a guy who's fell twenty feet in the air into concrete? I don't have a concussion. I don't have a concussion. I'm good. Yeah. So then, yes. oh man, it's just the dumbest thing. It, it could have been avoided. And was that forklift there already in that position? It or was like it, lowered and then they like climbed on it and then, then raised it after they were both on it. So I would blame whoever positioned the forklift and the table. They didn't have the right measurements from the fall because it looked like the table was a lot closer to the forklift. So when it did fall, he got speared. They kind of flew yeah. over the table. So I blame whoever set that whole spot up. And I hope it wasn't Arn Anderson or D Malenko. Right. Yeah, yeah I don't I don't remember who set the tables up. I don't remember if the tables were there it was or there if somebody set them up. They, they were, were there already. Whoever like before the spot happened, somebody had to have set that whole spot up. So somebody fucked up there. So it's it's a lot of people's faults, you know? And the fact that the referee made the right call and it was overturned. <clears throat> by Tony in her, in, in her ear. So it's yeah. like, you know, you don't take, you don't take your referees serious. The referees are the ones that are there. 
Exactly. Yeah, they're the yeah. middle man or middle they're, person. So they're looking into their eyes and they see that his eyes are glazed donuts. So yeah, it was just an unnecessary spot. It could have been toned down or just gotten rid of altogether. I mean, even if he would have just pushed them off the forklift, he would have fell perfectly through the tables as opposed yeah. to spearing the guy and pushing him over the table. Yeah. It was, just, or, it was reckless. Make it like a, instead of a back bump, like a side bump so that you see where you're going. Basically. As you're falling. It's, the, crazy, uh, the crazy thing is they took more care of Sammy with the styrofoam <laughs> stage than it did yeah. more. With the wooden table, so it's it's, it's fucking stupid if, I, if you think about it. Yeah, they literally could have done that same spot, but off the scaffolding onto the crash pad. Yep, and it would have been just as effective. Yep. Uh, yeah, man. I don't know. It's uh, I mean, from a, it sounds like Matt Hardy's okay. Um, I like I'm kind of fifty fifty because, like you said, I'm, I'm not a big fan of Rebby either, and it's equally as possible that she's she's making shit up. That uh, kind of say as a fuck you to AEW, um, but you, your scenario is equally as plausible. So who the fuck knows? Hopefully, we'll learn more in the next few days. But yeah, Rebby. I mean, everyone loved Rebby when she called out Impact, when she called out WWE, and she called out Vince, and she had all these negative comments to say about. It. They loved her. Yeah. I mean, the minute she said something negative about Tony and AEW, automatically everybody hates her. So yeah, it's, it's not what she says; it's who she says it about that people do not like. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's that wrestling tribalism shit. Yeah, man. Everybody, everybody likes to cherry pick. Yep, you know what's good, what's bad, what's what shouldn't happen. What should? Yeah, people are bringing up Owen Hart after this, which yes, that was a shitty situation, obviously. But like, we're not talking about Owen Hart. We're talking about what happened to Matt Hardy. It doesn't always have to be an AEW versus WWE thing. I just think that comes in from the AEW fanboys who get really defensive. Oh, saying 100%. Like that. But um, yeah. even, let's say they did bring up Owen Hart. McMahon was sued, probably had to pay a shitload of money. I mean, either way, he was going to bring Owen back, but he was held responsible for it. Right. You know, Martha held him responsible. They had a whole damn, uh, what's that show um, on Vice? Uh, Dark Side of the Ring. They had a whole episode dedicated to that. So, yeah, he was held accountable. So yeah. the thing is, they're not holding Tony accountable or AW. Yeah. So just, it's a big yeah. difference. Like they held Vince account. Every every injury, every shit that happens in the ring, and somebody gets hurt, Vince Vince Hells gets held accountable. Even with the shit with draws, D'Lo, yep. Vince, everybody who set that up got got held accountable for that. It's just like you said, people just you know they want to cherry pick who gets what and who doesn't. It's exactly. Stupid. Yeah, it's ridiculous, but. Like I said, hopefully Matt's going to be all right. Um, hopefully Sammy doesn't catch any heat for this. I don't think it was his fault at all. I think it was more of the, uh, like you said, whoever set that up. Yeah, and, uh, the agent uh, who set that up, is, that's who's at fault for it. And more so whoever authorized it to continue. Yep. So, but whatever. Um, but yeah, like I said, after that, man, I don't know if the crowd was like, if that like zorped their energy or, or what it was. But I feel like from that point on, the crowd was pretty much... It sounded like a fucking library in there. They were done. They were gone. That's it. <laughs> Which is a shame because the next match was the women's title match between Hikaru Shida and Thunder Rosa, which is honestly a match I was looking forward to. Um, and I thought they had a good match, but like I said, the crowd was just not into it for whatever reason. Um, I'll, she, I'll tell you why the crowd wasn't into it, because the crowd don't like women's wrestling over there. That's yeah. why they weren't into it. Yeah, I mean, 
yeah, because Ishida, I like Shida, but they haven't really. I don't know, man. She, she she's missing something as far as like connecting to the audience. She needs a think, catchphrase. What's that? She needs a catchphrase. Yeah, <laughs> that's what she needs. She's, she needs a cool T-shirt. Yeah, a cool T-shirt, a catchphrase, some something that you know, something, some some little dance on the entranceway. Yeah, some wear some different color. I don't know. She just needs something, you know. And this wrestling purist thing doesn't work for everybody. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is maybe the language barrier. Which I mean, she does. She she, she speaks English uh, to an extent, but um, yeah, I don't know, man. I think cause she's obviously she's a very good wrestler. I think technically she's a good wrestler, but people just don't get into her matches for whatever reason. And uh, Thunder Rosa is a new face who you probably wouldn't know if you hadn't watched NWA Power. Which I, by the way, I have. Have you seen any of NWA Power? Um. To be honest, I, I've never watched it until maybe the beginning of this film. Um, yeah. Um, actually, shout out to Nick Aldis. Um, oh, yeah. He, he, he follows the page, so he kind of put me onto it. And Hell yeah. I love the way he carries himself as a champion. So him alone, that's what got me into watching Empower. So shout out to Nick. Yeah, Nick Aldis is awesome. I think he's... I'll be, I'll be surprised if he's not in WWE or AEW at some point, because like you said, he the way he carries himself is just on a different level than anybody else. Yeah. The suit, the talk mannerisms, just the way like he carries himself as a champion. It's just like, this is it. This is it. Yeah. I hope he stays there. Cause that company benefits a lot from having him there. And you know, Nick is like a, a go-to guy. So I hope mm-hmm. he stays there. You know, they, after, after I think he will anywhere. He else, any else, anywhere else he goes, I think he'll, he'll be just lost in the shuffle. Mm-hmm. Think NW fits him and it fits him well. Yeah, I will say this. I I hope that AEW and NWA continue to work together like this because um I'm a big AEW or um NWA power fan. I've seen every episode. Um obviously they stopped in the pandemic stuff, but yeah. up until then I watched every episode. And a lot of their key players there, like Ricky Starks, uh Eddie Kingston, Thunder Rosa, they are they're all messing around in AW now. So I don't know if that's a permanent thing or if they'll kind of flip flop back and forth. Um, but yeah, those guys I named were kind of the, the key guys there. I think, then, I think they're permanent. I think, well, I know for a fact that Eddie Kingston's permanent. Right. Um, I, I read it where he was offered a deal with WWE and he turned it down for his deal with AEW. Mm-hmm. Unless yeah. AEW deal with more flexible, which allowed him to do both. But I don't, I don't see that happening. I, I don't, I don't like if, AEW is the company they say they are. I don't see that happening. You don't want your talent between two shows. I mean, so. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I can go either way. I, I would kind of like to see how it would pan out um, to kind of see some, maybe some guys in AEW that aren't getting spotlight, maybe have them appear on some NWA shows and vice versa. Because, you know, like I said, right now, the NWA roster has kind of been drained. Yeah. And all those guys are going, because Ricky Starks is one of the biggest guys there. Um, they still got guys like Eli Drake, who I think is amazing. I'm surprised he isn't a bigger star than he is. Uh, who else? They got a bunch of guys over there. Yeah, they James do. Storm, Thomas Latimer, Zicky Dice, bunch of guys. Uh, but yeah, so this women's match was pretty good. But like I said, uh, pretty uh dead crowd for it, which I think hurt it. I think this match would have been much more highly regarded if. There was a there was an audience 
in the crowd. But I guess you could say that about pretty much any match. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there were like 750 people in attendance. I don't know. I don't think it's that hard to keep 750 people <laughs> glued into the action. So they did something yeah. wrong there. Oh, yeah, I mean, we, we've heard more noise on previous episodes of Dynamite with no crowd at all. So yeah. there's something wrong there. But speaking of something wrong, just the women's division in general, I mean, it gets beat up all the time. I won't like beat a dead horse or anything, but I think their issue is there's just no like pillars there. Like there's no veteran or big woman star to kind of build around. I think you're dealing with a lot of no names and trying to expect stars to get created from a no name face in a no name. And that's just not how stars are going to get created. No matter how good they are in the ring, no matter how good they are on the mic, people just don't care about these women that they have on the roster. And that's not really a fault towards them. It's just, there's no, there's no, like I said, no pillar to kind of build their division around. I think. Yeah. I think that goes back to what we spoke about earlier that, uh, AEW, they have like a certain audience. So they expect that audience to know who these people are already because their audience are like, quote unquote, the diehards who follow every kind of form of wrestling. So like the way they present things is like, you're supposed to know who they are already. So there's no storytelling, there's no backstory to no one. There's no introduction. It's just like, we know you know because, you know, you read The Observer or you, you know you know because, you know, you watch New Japan or you watch indie wrestling on YouTube. So that's 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 how it comes across with them. To someone right. like me, I'm like, I don't watch all that. So if I go on TV and I see these women, I'm like, who the fuck are these people, you know? Not as yeah. away from their work in the ring, but... There's no at least like the, it's a commentator's job to to like you always got to call the match or, or or represent the competitors as if someone just turned turned just tuned in at that moment. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's it's just I think it's, they just like for people to know who these people are because that's their that's their audience. Like yeah, they 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 put work rate above everything else. Yeah. And you can't you can't build stars and you can't become you can't build your audience, can't grow your audience on work rate in the ring. Like for example, I didn't know who Oscar was. I didn't I don't really watch NXT as much. Mm-hmm. I didn't know who Oscar was. When she got to the main roster, it's like something about her character made me feel like, okay, she's interesting. Mm-hmm. She she came to the main roster with the uh, undefeated streak. You know, um, the way she wrestled, the colorful hair, like the, the flashy attire she had is just like that was a character. So ever right. since that day, I've been a fan of Oscar, and I didn't know anything about her before that. So I think AW fails to properly introduce people on television. Yeah, it's just it's just they rely too much on just work rate, like you said, and no one yeah. knows who they are. Like it doesn't even take much. I've just a few vignettes. Yeah, a few uh, backstage interviews. It doesn't take much to just kind of assi- let the audience associate a face with their personality and their motivations and all that. It doesn't take much, no. but they just have to do it. Yeah, it's like thirty seconds. It's, all, it's a thirty second vignette where you sell yourself, and I'm gonna believe you if you do a good job of selling yourself. Right. You know, I'm, I mean, it's just, I just like, I feel like they just expect us to know who they are because we're wrestling fans. Exactly. Yep. And. and just, you know, I don't want to make this like an AEW versus NXT thing, but I feel like NXT does a great job at, they'll have like uh, some wrestler. They've done this with a few people. They've done this with Roderick Strong, with TM61, 
Uh, they were done it recently with Bronson Reed. You know, they're kind of not in a storyline right now. Um, they're not really, you know, in the fold as much as they would like to be. So let's dedicate a few weeks to just doing some backstage vignettes. Mm-hmm. Let's let's uh, let's take three minutes out of our show to tell this guy's story, where he came from, what his motivations are, why he's in NXT, et cetera, et cetera. You know, just little like a couple minute like uh, documentary style vignettes. And because, like I said, they did it with Bronson Reed, like maybe a month ago or so. And you know, after that, I was hooked on him. Yeah, I knew what he was all about. So now I can invest in his matches and just do that for everybody. You have the time. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's like you said, it's not that hard. It's just like you do two or three guys every other week and then you get yeah. everyone known. You know, everyone's like, OK, I know who that is. I've seen what he's like, you know, but I just I don't get it. I really don't. Especially when there's no crowd. Like you don't need to maximize your in-ring time when there's no one in the audience. Yeah, you can you can afford to do that kind of backstage stuff. But um, that is what it is. We'll, we'll hopefully we'll see the women's division grow a little bit. Yeah, I don't um, I, 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 yeah. Who knows? I'm I'm very optimistic. If you can't tell, <laughs> I mean, you know, the women's division. I think uh, it needs a lot of work. It needs a lot of like they, I can't take this the women's division serious if they don't present it to me as serious. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the women's division kind of rolls around Britt, Big Swole, and Brandy Rhodes. That's it. That's it. <laughs> you're, you're you're a big Brandy fan. Ah, I'm, I'm correct, right? Yeah, I love her. She's like the greatest. Like she's an inspiration to us all. <laughs> Are you a standy? Yeah, like oof, I got posters. I, I, you know, I got a picture has my wallpaper. It's just you have no idea, man, how much I love that girl. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, but you know, she like she's she's not a veteran, but she's a familiar face for the women's mm-hmm. division, and she could do so much more to help the division. But I think she needs the attention on her. And if you notice, she's usually the only woman in the high main, like in the high storylines, right? You know, and um, she she takes all the opportunities from the other women. It's just I think a lot of it just is self booking, and I, and I goes back to giving wrestlers too much creative freedom because mm-hmm. obviously they're gonna want to book themselves as the top star. Right. Well, that actually carries over into the next match. So the eight man tag with the Dark Order facing uh, Matt Cardona, Scorpio Sky, and QT Marshall and Dustin Rhodes, and then they have Brandy and Allie ringside now the build-up to this match hold up up. let me ask you a question yeah brandy was in the match no she was just ringside okay she was accompanying dustin rhodes yeah and did they win that match yes ah you see all because of brandy right yeah brandy oh (laughs) (laughs) key to victory (laughs) um but no man like so like, like I said, it all revolved around Brody Lee just decimating Cody a few weeks ago. They fucking stretchered him out. They gave, had him like gas, oxygen gas on his mouth for whatever reason. It, they tried. They did everything they can. Wait a minute. Everything, everything. What did he do to Cody and that Cody had to get stretchered out? It was a clothesline. A clothesline? It was a pretty, it was a pretty good clothesline, though. Okay, hold on a second. So, so Big Swole injects uh, Britt Baker with Novocaine. And gives her uh, a laughing gas, uh-huh. and she wasn't stretched out after that because that's like a high dose of medication right there. 
Well, actually, here, let, let, me, let me correct myself. It wasn't just a clothesline. It was a, uh, a 360 spin and then a clothesline. Oh, okay. Does that make it better? No. So, oh. so you're saying that and then they were in a dentist's office. They were wrestling around sharp instruments. They were using medication. Uh-huh. They were uh, breaking a bunch of HIPAA laws. And you're telling right. me that Britt took all of this and she was not stretched out. But Cody takes a clothesline and a 360 slam and they stretching him out and he's gone for the last two weeks. It's the power of the Dark Order, man. Oh, great. Damn. I don't know what to tell you. Dark Order needs Papa Shango. If they're this, if they're this bad and, and they just are destructive, they need Papa Shango in there. You know, I think you're joking, but I would pop hard <laughs> if Papa Shango came out. <laughs> that, that would sell me on the Dark Order, I think. That'd be the best thing in world wrestling history. They, would, they, they couldn't use Papa Shango, though. They would have to call him, like, Daddy Shango or something. Which might be better, honestly. Hmm. Daddy Shango, I can see that on a t-shirt. Yeah. And then it's yeah, wow, right inside for Halloween. Look at that, man. We, man. We're booking kids. Marketing for AW right here. Right. AWshop.com, folks. Yep. Um, but yeah, the match itself, because we're talking about Brandy. And so like I said, Cody was stretchered out. He's dead, essentially. But then Brandy comes out with all these guys and she's like dancing. She's, you know, being all cocky and, you know, doing the L on her head, whatever the fuck she did. Oh, God. She's clearly not sad at all that her husband is in the hospital. <laughs> fuck that guy, I guess. Stupid tattoo. Fuck him. Yep. Uh, um, <laughs> so, yeah, she's out there, you know, she's like getting all in their face, you know, because can't hit women, I guess. Oh, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Fuck. But, I mean, the match is fine. It felt like a a match I would see like on main event because it had Zack Ryder and Luke Harper and gold dust. Um, what's up? Cabana, right? Yes. Oh, yes. Definitely. I'm gonna be honest. I do kind of enjoy Colt Cabana and what he's doing with the dark order. It's kind of a guilty pleasure of mine because he's like <laughs> all these guys come out. They're all stoic and they're all, you know, demons or whatever they're trying to be. They're all like giving the mean mug to the ring. And then Colt Cabana just comes out like, hey, guys. He's just like waving. He's, he's still Colt Cabana. Like he okay. hasn't changed his personality. It's, it's, it's kind of funny to me because he's like the uh, the odd man out, I guess. Um, but I guess the story is that Brody likes him. He sees potential in him. But the end of this match came when uh, Brody hits him with that clothesline. You know, the one that uh, basically tore Cody's head off. He hit. Um, Who did he hit with it? Dustin Rhodes, I think. Uh, but Dustin was fine. He was cool. He finished the match. Wow. And then uh, <laughs> he's uh, superpowers, man. The, the dust of gold. Yeah. Shadow. Uh, uh-huh. ex- exactly. And then gold, or, uh, <laughs> Dustin Rhodes uh, ends up schoolboying Colt Cabana and gets the win for his team. So then after the match, Brody Lee's all mad at Colt Cabana. So don't know where that's going to go, but I guess on Dynamite. We have Dustin Rhodes versus Brody Lee for the TNT title. So keeping that story going, I'm sure Cody will be back soon too. So uh, what are your thoughts? Man, it's just, I don't know. Like the booking should have been that um, Luke, well, Brody Lee is taking down everyone in the Rhodes family, right? So you took Mm -hmm. down Cody in this match. He should have went over because he's coming hot, hot off the, He's coming, he's coming hot off of taking out Cody, right? So in this match, Dustin should have taken the pinfall 
from Brody Lee, and then the same exact thing he did to Cody. Mm-hmm. Now you have both the Rose brothers out, which leaves Brandley by herself. Yeah, it's possible that they'll do that on Dynamite in the title match. Um, and just, you know, devil's advocate, Brody Lee didn't get the pin or he didn't lose this match. Colt Cabana did. So I kind of see what they're doing, but I don't necessarily disagree with you either. I think that would have been a good way to go too. Yeah, it would have been, it would have been cool that way. And then Brandy would have found herself by herself. And then she would have been too weird because her brother law's out and her husband's out. And then she would have kind of been leaning towards joining the Dark Order. Until Cody came on that episode of Dynamite, Dynamite, and he would have saved her from joining the Dark Order. Hmm. Or she would have been fearful for her life. She's like, all right, if I can't beat them, I gotta join them. Or Brandy joins the Dark Order and then builds up to a match between Brandy and Cody. On a pole. On a pole. <laughs> Always gotta be on a pole. Yeah, you gotta put him on a pole. That okay. would that would have been I mean, I hope that's where they're going, but it would have been really cool to see him take out Dustin and then maybe, you know, uh, Matt, because Matt, well, I'm not going to call him Matt. I'm going to call him Zach. Zach is like yeah. really good friends with Cody. Then he was like, you know what? Your husband's not here. I got you. Your family friend. Boom. Next week, Brody takes out Matt too. So yeah. all of Brandy's uh, protection is gone. She's by herself. She's fearful for her life. The Dark Order starts stalking her on Dynamite. Even maybe shoot some vignettes where, you know, she's walking to her car and then one of them is sitting in the back seat. She runs for her life. Uh-huh. Finally, she's too scared. So she joins as she's about to join or take the oath, whatever it is that they do. You hit the nightmare, whatever theme song. And then they could pretty much redo uh, what Undertaker did to Stephanie. There you go. You know what I'm talking about? When she, when he, uh, he like strapped her to a cross and then they did like a whole wedding deal. And then Stone Cold came out and saved the day. Because Cody Rhodes is kind of like the Stone Cold of today, right? Is he? I think so. I thought, isn't that what, uh, isn't that what uh, what's-his-face said, Meltzer? No, he said John Moxley is like the Stone Cold of today. Oh, okay. That makes sense, actually. Cody is the... Triple H? No, <laughs> not even. In, in reality, he's a Jeff Jarrett. Yes. That that he's Jeff Jarrett and he's his father, all in one. So he's Jeff Rhodes or Jeff Reynolds. That's who he is. Is that his name? Is that his real name? No, Dusty Rhodes. No, I'm just mixing up Jeff. Oh. And Dusty, <laughs> Jeff Reynolds. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, eight man tag. Like I said, it was solid. It was what it was. But next match was probably my favorite match of the night: the AEW Tag Team Titles. FTR versus Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. Uh, we kind of touched on it earlier with the whole Young Bucks mm-hmm. kind of interactions, but I do really like the build to this match. I think there's a lot of moving pieces. It's definitely a diamond in the rough as far as storyline goes. Um, in AEW, I think you know, there's a lot of slow builds. There's a lot of... Um, they're just going through it slow, and I think that's really helping out, kind of uh, milking it for all it's worth. So... Um, I can see an argument that this match went a little long. Yeah, little half hour. Was it a half hour? Yeah. Yeah, look, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm okay with that. I feel like, like I, like I said in previous matches, I think the lack of crowd hurt this match. I feel like it would have been an epic match had a, a full arena bit in there. Yeah. Um, 
just, you know, the energy from the crowd really drives the wrestlers. So I feel like that would have enhanced it a little bit. But for what it was, I thought it was pretty good. And it was good to see FTR get the win. Um, I feel like they could hold on to the titles for a long, long time. Always been a big fan of these guys. I think they represent what tag team wrestling should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I feel like uh, an eventual match with the Young Bucks. No matter what anybody thinks of the Young Bucks, I think FTR versus Young Bucks can main event any arena in the country. So good stuff here. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, definitely. It was a great match. And that's another thing. That's hard for me to say. Um, but it was really good. Um, the revival, yeah. the kicked ass, man. It was, it was it was cool. It was like they're real old school. Mm-hmm. They had like a real old school vibe to them. And then um, the fact they were out there with Tully, it just it was it was cool. It was cool. I think they were um, they were mis. I mean, I hate the term misused, but they weren't used to their full capacity at WWE. Oh, absolutely. So, um, you know, it was just it was good, and I mean, I'm, I'm kind of happy the belts are on an actual tag team because this whole makeshift of Omega and Hangman was like, all right, like you're, you're tying up two guys that can kill, like can burn the house down with. Than single right. so you're tying up two of your main guys in a tag team for no reason. Yeah, and and um, I, I feel like they did that because the revival was supposed to come, and they didn't, so they had to put the the title on somebody fast. Right, but um, it was a good match. Now I hopefully like Omega now and Hangman can go their separate ways, and Kenny can do his own thing, and so can Hangman. Yeah, I feel like. Both those guys have much more value as singles. Yeah, definitely. And as a tag team, especially because, you know, we're talking about who's marketable earlier. I think Hangman Adam Page, the whole cowboy shit, I think that's super marketable. Um, I mean, if we're talking just homegrown guys, yeah. Um, I think him and Kenny Omega, who's he's still a guy that's like pretty much only known in the wrestling bubble. Yep. But I think he's as, he's as close as it gets to transitioning into the mainstream. I don't think he's there yet. But I think if you give him proper spotlight, I think he has a chance, at least, in transcending that wrestling bubble, in my opinion. Yeah. Don't hold me to it, but I remember reading an article that his 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 uh, his, his dad, his stepfather, Dave Meltzer, wrote. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> it, it said that Kenny's not a big fan of doing interviews. Like, he doesn't like doing media runs. So uh-huh. I think, and that's what I think that's what kind of prevents him from actually going all the way being mainstream. Like Kenny's very reserved. Like that's what Meltzer said. Like Kenny's not really a fan of doing media and and interviews, and he doesn't really go, like going on the talk shows because he doesn't feel comfortable. But I, if Kenny did that, then maybe he can break that through that bubble. But yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think Kenny Omega's name is tied with too much, too much. Uh, like too much of wrestling. Like, yeah, I know he does like the the whole video game stuff, but he's more tied to wrestling, like as opposed to other guys who are wrestlers, but you can kind of see them doing the mainstream thing. But they fit into pop culture. Yeah, like he, he doesn't really fit like that pop culture mold. He fits his bubble mold, which is his yeah. hardcore wrestling New Japan fan base. Yeah, he's like that beacon of we only care about work rate. Yeah. We don't care about promos yeah. kind of vibe that people have. Yeah. Like I don't think people really care. They're so like Kenny's Omega's fans would really dislike him. If he showed up on Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. They'll call him a sellout. Like they wouldn't see it as an opportunity for them or Kenny to expand himself. Mm-hmm. They, they wouldn't look down on that. So. Yeah. Which is sad. Cause I mean, he's a, he's a very entertaining guy. I mean, I've seen a few of his, some of his video game stuff. 
Um, and any chance that he gets to do a promo, which hasn't been a lot in uh, in AEW. I feel like he's he's a, definitely a competent promo, and he's a good storyteller outside of the ring. But um, he's a charming yeah. guy. Like the guy, he's, he has charm. Like you hear him talk when he's not in character. Like when he's doing the whole video game stuff, and you hear him talk and write things. You're like, oh wow, this guy's you know. Yeah, I can listen to him talk. Yeah, yeah. So the same way. Um, but yeah, awesome match here for the tag titles. Glad, like you said, to see it on a true tag team. And I think the tag team division, man, if nothing else, I think that's what AEW has. Because it's interesting because I've also been watching old TNA, like from 2004, 2005. And I'm kind of at the point where they're like starting to put a lot of focus on the X division. That's when like Samoa Joe came in. You had AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels broke apart from his tag team. And once they like put more emphasis on the X division, that's when they started building like a cult following because the X division represented a style that wasn't being produced anywhere else. Oh, cause WWE wasn't doing that shit. And I feel like there's a lot of similarities between that and AEW's tag division because WWE doesn't have a tag division nah. on, on any brand. Um, I mean, I can't think even like new Japan has, has notoriously had a pretty bad tag division. Um, NWA doesn't have anything like there's there's no other place right now where you can go see really good tag team wrestling. Yeah. So I think if AW keeps their foot on the gas with this, like it's a 30 minute match. I get it. It's pretty long, but I, I think that is a testament to how much faith they have in these guys and how much they want to make this feel like a, like a main event match. And I feel like it could have main evented easily, but um, yeah, I, I, I personally for that should have been the main event. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It was that good. It should have been the main event. Um, I don't think technically like the world title always has to be in the main event, but I think the tag team title match had more of an important feel to it than the actual main event with Moxley. But right, well, I like I like to, and this may be how they're looking at it. I like to think of the tag team titles as like the world title of tag teams. Yeah. So it would still be a main event with a world title. It would just be the tag team world title. Yep. Versus you know the like I don't look at it as a, like a lower in the hierarchy of, of championships, but still a good match and a good result. Um, is uh, Sean Spears? He's not with Tully Blanchard anymore. He is. So it's like a, this is so it's like a stable. Uh, it could be. It might just be more of a Tully Blanchard has just his hands in a couple different pots. I don't know if they're actually a cohesive unit. It should work on that because that, that'll be a great stable. Like uh, you got Spears and you got the revival, you got Tully, and then the, um, I don't think you should add a fourth member to it, but that'd be great. You can kind of like have Spears show up and help out the revival. It's just that's something yeah. that they should work on because that'd be a really good idea. Yeah, I've seen a lot of talk of a potential Four Horsemen oh, kind of reboot, but I feel like I feel like we hear about that once a year. Yeah. Um, doesn't have to be a four horsemen thing but i wouldn't be opposed to a fourth member either i'm sure there's someone on the roster that could use some direction um can't think of anybody off the top of my head but whatever that whatever it is I, th- yeah. I would like to see sean spears kind of uh, interact with them too yeah it'd be great and they you know they, they got history they went on nxt together at one point so it you know you can play on you can play on that um but i i i only say keep at three members because there's way too many stables on a AEW is too many stables. Yeah, because what they have the inner circle, the elite, 
You got um, Dark Order. That's true. Yeah. So it's just a lot of stables for a sh- for just a brand that only has like two hours of shows. Yeah. So. Yeah, I feel you on that. Um, but man, after that beautiful tag match, we got something even more beautiful: Mimosa Mayhem. Chris Jericho versus Orange Cassidy. What a fun gimmick. Not really. Um, <laughs> fuck, I don't... I mean, let's just talk about Chris Jericho for a second, man. I, I've always loved Chris Jericho. I think you can make a really strong argument that he's the best of all time. Nah. Just based on his longevity, his diversity, all the places he's been, all the matches he's had. I'm not saying it's like definite, but I think you can make an argument. Yeah, you could. Just based on longevity, like I said, like how he's evolved and how relevant he's stayed. Sit for damn near what thirty years. Yeah, I mean he could be top five. He can be like top five in the argument. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but man, lately it's just like it's phoning it in. It's, it's like he, like like we said, he's catering to the internet. Yeah, he's he's breaking the fourth wall. Like when he cuts, a, he cut a promo before this match, right? And the promo wasn't. I hate Orange Cassidy. I want to beat him in this match. The promo was, hey, look at the angle that we've done. Haven't I done such a great job at ele- elevating Orange Cassidy? Look at what I've done for his his credibility. Now he's going to have another program after this. Like he's speaking <laughs> like like a fan on Twitter or Instagram, Instagram would talk. And like I say, he's breaking that fourth wall. And when, when, when that happens, it just takes me out of it. Yeah. It takes me out of because I want to immerse myself in this universe that we're watching. But then whenever Chris Jericho is on the screen, it always takes me out of it. Yeah. Chris, I think this is like maybe the worst reinvention of himself he's had. But this one he yeah. caters too much. Like Chris, you can tell Chris spends a lot of time on the internet reading comments, reading blogs, because yeah. he literally sounds like every person who comments on wrestling on the internet. Yeah. So I think he plays on that because it adds shock value. It's like, oh, you see, Chris listens to us. You see, AEW pays attention to what the fans say. So it's like he's kind of catering to the to, to the smarks if you think about it, because right. um, it brings them attention. It brings them good attention, and it keeps them feeling. It keeps them young. Like when you see Chris, you don't think about his age that like he's pushing fifty. Mm-hmm. He's so in tune with what's going on now. Yeah. Yeah. He uses that. As like as to benefit himself because he knows he shouldn't be in there. He knows he can't really have a great match anymore. You know he's not young, so mm-hmm. he uses the mentality of the internet wrestling community and he drives that. You know through his through his character. Yeah, and I get that right. I mean the whole Wednesday Night Wars thing. It's always the most whatever you want to say toxic, elevated thing on the internet he every single like week. And I think it, it does more harm because. Like, yeah, he's trying to get interest, but he doesn't realize the harm he's doing when he does those kind of promos and those kind of tweets. You, you divide more of the fan base. He doesn't do yeah. anything to bring the fan base together. He just does more to divide them. And that's what I'm saying, because he does that, because I see people trying to justify it. Like, oh, he's just a heel who's trolling. No, he's not. That's what he actually thinks. That's what he is. And is, is he a heel? Because when he comes out, I hear the fans chanting his theme song along with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like... I don't understand what he thinks he's accomplishing by, you know, retweeting Brian Alvarez, the ratings and all that shit, uh, you know, 
talking about the demos, talking about Orange Cassidy, not, you know, not in a storyline capacity, but oh, look at look at the program we're doing and how how much it's, you know, brought in ratings. Yeah, that kind of shit is just corny. And it doesn't make me want to tune in to watch Dynamite. I I was a fan of Jericho maybe like 10 years ago when he had the heel gimmick with the suit and he was using the big words and all that and talking Mm -hmm. slow. Like that was the last time I actually liked Jericho. That was a heel. He didn't have to use like, um, he didn't have to push the wrestling narrative. He didn't have to use demos and stupid shit like that. He stayed true to his character as a heel. Mm -hmm. And now he's just like, he's just, it's like he's doing the most. And like, and then like the damage is done when he's gone. He's he'll he'll achieve what he wanted to achieve, get paid, you know. And then, but the damage that he's created with having that character is gonna be worse because you know we're the we're the fans that are left to deal with that. He doesn't have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. So it's just I think he's doing more harm than good. Yeah, yeah. I think at this point he's less concerned about his matches and the build up and more about creating catchphrases. Yeah, making T-shirts. Um. He's, he just comes off like a dad trying to figure out social media. Yeah. To me. I don't I don't know. But um his match with Orange Cassidy here was uh I mean it was fine, I guess. I get I get it was I guess it's supposed to be uh, like again, I don't know if it's supposed to be comedy or it's supposed to be a blood feud. Because on one you know, one week they're like busting each other open, they're both bleeding, and then the next week they're doing a debate. And then now we're we have fucking two vats of orange juice on each side of the like what are we doing here like what are we uh, what what am I supposed to feel yeah and this, this was match? this was all Jericho's idea he's he he he, oh, he made that clear he, yeah. he made the repeat that over and over again this was my idea I'm the one that came out with this I'm the one that came out with the uh, creation of this match he, never been seen before yeah so he even created a whole um, logistics of it he had like a little uh, paper he he tweeted or he put on Instagram. He actually threw the ring in the two tubs of orange juice. Just trying to suck his own dick again. Yeah, so he's just like taking credit for it. And I mean, I mean, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's just, he's like, it's just confusing. Like, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not like it's that's this impressive. Like, okay, it's funny that it's mimosas because of the bubbly and the orange juice. Like, that, that's fun. But as far as like the match logistics itself, throw your opponent in a mimosa, like just there's not much to it. Yeah, it's a waste like, of orange juice, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a waste of orange juice. You know, which by the way, those those are definitely not mimosas. Nah. I've had many of mimosas in my day, and that shit was too orange to be mimosas. Nah, that was water with with orange dye. It looked more like um, sunkiss than a mimosa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess it would have been expensive if they took all that fucking champagne and poured it in that huge vat. Yeah. But the match was what it was. Uh, Orange Cassidy wins with a Superman punch, knocking Chris Jericho into the sun-kissed, Sunny D, whatever it was. I don't know. Did you catch any of this match? Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, this is it. Like they built the match up so so huge, and I'm like, this this is it. Like when I first heard about the match, I thought it was a joke. I'm like, oh wow, a Mimosa Mayhem match. Oh okay, whatever. But they actually had a Mimosa Mayhem match. Yeah, with that of of arms. It's just I'm like what? Are you, this is what we're doing. Oh man, like this is why we need somebody like an authority figure behind the scenes to say, "No, nah, we're not doing all this." Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, like all right, come on, like if you're gonna. I mean, pass pass these ideas to me first before you know we go on TV with them. Although you know, 
you know, we were talking earlier about expanding their audience. Maybe this brought in a bunch of white women because they love mimosas. That could be a thing too. That could be. Uh, maybe yeah, he's probably going to, I wouldn't be surprised if Chris comes out with his own version of bubbly mimosas or some shit. If he hasn't already, I'd yeah. be shocked. This is, this is all that's going to be. Yeah. And, um, you know, off topic, they're saying that Lesnar could be going over. I'm like, Lesnar's watching this shit. He's like, I'm not coming over for this. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't think Lesnar watched it, but yeah. If, if he heard about it, for sure, he'd be like, what the hell? I mean, if they offer him enough money, I feel like he would. But Yeah, uh, Tony Khan said that um, Lesnar is a very underrated wrestler. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. I think, you know, these mean, people... He said he was misused, too. I don't know what the fuck that meant. But. Oh, no, no, that's... <laughs> that is outrageous, no. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, the, the Lesnar thing, Brock Lesnar, if he ever, if he ever wrestles again, it's going to be for WWE. Yeah, he loves it there. He said it plenty of times. Yeah, and he has a good deal there. He doesn't have to be on every Raw, Mm-mm. every SmackDown. He comes when he wants, gets paid a shit ton of money, and then leaves. They give him a private jet. I mean, I'm pretty exactly. sure he can, but you know, I don't know, man. But yeah, I don't. <laughs> I think people are making a lot more of that. Whatever his, his merchandise got taken off of WWE shop or whatever it was, which I'm sure is just a legal issue. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not too familiar with how all that works, but I, I feel like people are reading way too much into that. Yeah, he'll he'll resign. He'll resign because that happened like two years ago or three years ago, where he his contract expired and. He went to do the UFC thing, and then he came right back. Yeah, which that could be a thing he's doing this time too. Yeah, I, th- I feel like he still could go to UFC. Yeah, but I feel like right now he's just sitting on his farm in North Dakota, or wherever the fuck he lives. Oh uh, no, he lives in Canada. Does he? Yeah, it's kind of the same thing, right? Yeah, basically, he lives. Oh man, I forgot what 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 how somewhere in the deep ends of Canada. I know he lives in a remote area. Some place where there's a lot of trees and mountains. Yeah. And bullet holes in the trees from him shooting guns all night. <laughs> After he does curls with them. <laughs> but, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, if, if Lester comes back, it'll definitely be like a Royal Rumble WrestleMania thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the, 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 I mean, I, don't even, I'm just, I just wanted to make it clear, but the way they're heading with this Roman and Paul thing is going to go back to, to Lesnar. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be the reverse. Lesnar's going to be the baby face. Roman's going to be the heel. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I don't think I'd hate that. We'll have Roman Lesnar part six or part five, whatever they're up to now. Or do they team up? Oh man, that that'd be crazy. <laughs> have them win the tag titles. Yeah, from Street Profits. All right, oh. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting off course here. All right, so what's the next match? <laughs> next match is the last match: AEW World Title, John Moxley versus MJF. Uh. It's actually a pretty solid match. I mean, you know, like I said, for the pre- all the previous matches, definitely would have been better with a crowd. Um, I guess the basic premise of the story here is that John Moxley likes to fight on the outside. MJF is more of a traditional wrestler, but uh, MJF ends up getting busted open on the outside. So um, pretty solid match. Uh, Moxley said so that the whole gimmick here is that John can't use his paradigm shift DDT. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the end of the match the ref is distracted and as the ref's back is turned, John Moxley hits the paradigm shift real quick and gets the win. Uh, kind of a funny finish. Um, but it was pretty solid overall. what did you think? Uh, yeah. I mean, 
This is just, this is, man, it just it reminded me of Miz and, and Dean Ambrose. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. It's just like MGF is like a Miz clone, and Moxley is, he, there's no much of a difference between Moxley and Ambrose. It was a good match. Mm-hmm. It seemed like it was like a match that I didn't think had to go on last. Yeah. And the, yeah. I, yeah. So the, the, the traditionalist in me gets it, but um, no, I'm with you. Yeah, Madison had to go on last, and you know it's. I mean, in order to make the because what because they had a they've been having like a kind of a bloody feud, and it's been kind of like a really really intense feud. So I don't mm-hmm. think adding that stipulation where he couldn't use his move was even needed because he used the move anyways. Yeah, but I think I, I guess that's how they're going to extend it. MJF's probably going to come out like you cheated. I deserve a rematch, and then they'll probably do a rematch at some point. So I guess that's the thinking there. Yeah, because um, I don't know. Like, do you see MJF becoming champion at some point for sure? Definitely. Do you see him becoming champion now, taking the title from 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 John. <sighs> hmm. I wouldn't rule it out. I definitely say it's a possibility. Um, I'm just trying to think of what like the roster looks like as far as like baby faces that want to challenge for the world title. You so you throw- well. You'll have a lot. Yeah. Especially if you have like Kenny Omega kind of turning heel a little bit. Adam Page is kind of also heel. I don't know. They got a lot of things that I think they feel like in the, they're in the middle of. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I could see it going either way, honestly. Yeah, they have a lot of heels on the roster. So, right now, them taking the title from, from Moxley doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, If they're not going to give... MJF the title anytime soon, then extending this rivalry just doesn't make sense. Like, I don't, it's like, it's like, if you're not going to give him the title now, then there's no sense for the rematch. Yeah. The stipulation should have been like, hey, if I beat you, then you don't get another title shot from me at all. Unless you want to throw like a Darby Allen in there. Yeah. Against MJF. So right now, like, you still got, you could still have Moxley and like a heel Kenny Omega. You can have mm-hmm. him against, uh, What's this roster look like? I'm trying to think. You can have them against anybody in Dark Order. You can. Uh, yeah. They already did the Brody Lee thing, but we got that Lance Archer thing coming yeah. up, too. Um, so shit, I don't know. You got a few people on there Brian Cage. Brian Cage. There you go. Ricky Starks. Sean Spears. Did, did Ambrose face Spears already? Man, I have. Zero interest in seeing Sean Spears versus Dean Ambrose. <laughs> How about the Butcher? Ooh, I do like the Butcher. So, so there's still there's still there's still some kind of there's still a lot of opponents they can get out of this uh, Ambrose run. Yeah, I will say this though, it doesn't. It does Hager, right? Yeah, I think they did Hager versus Moxley already though. Right, so it's like they're running out of people. Then. So you might be right. Yeah, but I, I think that does kind of. As a testament to the unpredictability of it, I guess, which is not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, keeps things kind of keeps the fans on their toes a little bit, not being as predictable. So in that sense, I like it. Um, I guess we'll just have to see. Um, but yeah, man, AW all out. Any uh any parting thoughts? Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't like the last this is the second one or the first this is the third one or the second one? Second one. Yeah. I the first one was legendary, man. Even I watched it. So it was like, this yeah. is this, this, you know, I mean, considering the fact, I mean, 
this should have this 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 should have been a lot better than the first one. Mm-hmm. And they and they can't blame it on not having fans because they had fans. Might might not have been a sold out twelve five thousand fans, but they had fans. Yeah, it's just it's just the whole pay of you just seem out of place. Um, like a lot of stuff just wasn't connecting. It didn't minus, flow well. Yeah, minus two three matches like the tag match and um, the women's match. Like just everything else just wasn't just wasn't I think, connecting. I think literally if you open the match with the Young Bucks versus Jurassic Express and you put the Battle Royal on the buy in. I think that would have helped so much. True. And had the Matt Hardy thing not happen too, and sucked the energy out of the crowd. Yeah, and, and took out the big tooth mat, the tooth and nail match. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, or, or just throw that in like in the middle, like as a break in between two serious matches. I could see that. Yeah, because it's just like I'm looking at the card again. It's just like it just everything seemed kind of off. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, like I said, it just didn't flow well like, to me. It could even put the uh, eight man tag match on the on the on the pre show. Yeah, because I mean, for the most part, the matches weren't bad. They were mostly at least okay matches. It just didn't feel like a big deal. Didn't feel like a pay per view. Yeah, didn't feel like. What's is this like their WrestleMania? I I guess. Yeah, right. It's like the first pay per view they ever had. Yeah, I guess All Out would be as, as close as they have to uh to WrestleMania. Yeah. And I think maybe that's why it went so long. Yeah, and I mean, didn't if it didn't feel like a main main pay per view. Felt like a throwaway pay per view. Yeah, name all out on it, like a transition pay per view. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, but yeah, man. So I'll, I'll make sure to have you back as we do a, a dynamite watch along. Oh shoot, that'd be dope. Yeah, yeah. Dynamite <laughs> on Wednesdays. Uh, I think so. They've kind of been flip-flopping the past few weeks, but I think they're back on Wednesday now. Yeah, I got to yeah, check the NBA schedule, depending on who's playing on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you might be busy that night, huh? Um, I, I, I can let you know about tomorrow afternoon. I was just kidding, by the way. Oh, about play, but I didn't mind. <laughs> no, it's okay. I, I, I rarely catch Dynamite Live anyways. Yeah, but, um, yeah. Wednesdays, uh, I usually watch at NXT like the day after or during the weekend. Right. So. I feel you. Um. But yeah, man, thank this once again, man. Thank you for coming on and joining me on here. I really appreciate it. Nah, man, anytime, man. Thanks for having me, man. Once again, want to thank Barry and Smarks for joining me today on this podcast for a spicy, spicy AEW All Out review. Really, really fun to get his take on things um, and kind of just to talk shit about wrestling, good and bad, as far as AEW goes. And as you heard, even, you know, other topics outside of AEW. So, really fun episode here. I had fun. Hope you had fun. You can catch Barry and Smarks on Instagram at Barry and Smarks underscore. Catch his podcast, Barry and the Smarks on Spotify. Uh, I spoke to him recently. He said he's kind of on a hiatus right now, but he'll be looking to bring that podcast back in the near future. So, keep a lookout for that. Really cool dude. Really appreciate him coming on the podcast. Um, and I think that is all I got for you guys today. So thank you guys again for taking a listen ski once again. Um, I say it every week, but it's awesome to see this podcast grow. And it's awesome to see the feedback that I've been getting. Um, we'll continue to keep pumping out these shows. I really do enjoy it. Make sure to subscribe as well. If you haven't already, 
so you can keep an eye on a couple other episodes I have coming out in September. We got King of the Ring 2001. We got TNA Final Resolution 2005. King of the Ring 1994. All coming out in September on the apron bump. So get hype for more of my delicious buttery voice in your ear canal. Anyways, um, <laughs> thank you guys again for listening. I am hard.